0: Hey super friends and welcome to this, the 25th edition of the Get Your Comic Con podcast with me, Neil, and my friend Martin. Say hello Martin. Hello Martin. What are we going to be telling the lovely listeners at home about this week? You don't know because as always the whiteboard's behind you. So it's left down to me. So we're going to start out with a quick news roundup of what's been going on the last couple of weeks. We're then going to go back to New York, or not literally back to New York, not like we were last time. Uh, to recap what we did after NYCC, I've got a book that I want to tell you all about. We've got a couple of films to be talking about, including Zombieland, which we both went to, and Terminator Dark Fate, which I saw. going to quickly talk about my trip to MCM Comic Con at the weekend. Controversial as it was, because uh, you weren't there. Replaced. <laughs> you were not replaced. I just had to go with a friend, not you. And... Uh, We've got how many episodes of Titans to talk about? Quite a few. Episodes 4, 5, 6, 7 and 8. So that's going to be quick fire succession of Titans this week I think. I won't make any promises. Okay. <laughs> hey, let's start off with the news. First up on my list new and final trailer for star wars the rise of skywalker so uh let's do what we always do here on the geico podcast before we talk about it let's have a listen to it What are you doing there, 3PO?
1: Taking one last look, sir.
0: At my friends. Confronting
1: fear. It's the destiny of a Jedi. Your destiny.
0: So what do we think of this trailer?
1: Thank the Star Wars gods that JJ's back. (laughs) Uh,
0: No offence to Ryan Johnson, but
1: yes. All offence to Ryan
0: Johnson. No, no, no. When you get to see Knives Out, you'll understand that what the guy does works when it's in the right kind of context, but not for Star Wars. Although to be fair, you still haven't seen Last Jedi since we saw it at the cinema, have you? No i actually have liked it more each time i've watched it oh really yeah i still wouldn't say it's anywhere i I still think prequels are better than the last jedi (laughs) but um, i quite like the prequels though and that's because you're a child of the prequels um but it's yeah i yeah thank heavens for jj abrams there's a lot going on here uh it's all quite emotional
1: well that's the last one that's the end of the the saga is that a saga What's yes it? it's
0: the end of the Skywalker saga think of it like the infinity saga Disney mm-hmm. seems to be keen on a saga right now it's a good way to bleed a franchise I suppose <laughs> it is uh, ok favourite moment all of it <laughs> ok um, least favourite moment none of it <laughs> most intriguing moment the emperor ok um, is he dead how did he come back What happened? Well, we've had this discussion on this podcast before, where you remember I reached over to my right and whipped out uh, Dark Empire off the bookshelf and told you about the Emperor and his clones.
1: Oh, and his consciousness, and he just sort of like pops into another one. So
0: I do wonder whether that's going to be a thing. Um, Least intriguing moment? Trying to get if there's anything that you weren't so keen on. Um, Anything that flashes back to the last one. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Controversial. (laughs) it's all right um would you like to ask me the same questions oh yeah same questions (laughs) you're not gonna ask me the questions i'm asking you the same questions okay most intriguing um c3po and his i'm having one last look at my friends well he must be
1: how old is that robot now (laughs) as old as you it's like a nokia 3310. he just
0: goes on and on and on I'm just wondering why he has to give himself up. Is he saying goodbye because he's going to have to be turned off, destroyed? What's happened? How does that team up with the red eye version of C-3PO we saw in the last trailer? Maybe he's got a virus. He, he might have. He needs to install Norton. Um, that's probably my most intriguing moment. Uh, the Death Star stuff, I think looks really cool, but I feel like we've given too much away now. So we know it's the ruins of the Death Star from last last Jedi, from Return of the Jedi. Um, it's quite clearly not on Endor because you know the forest moon of endor and that's cr- clearly a giant sea um, well, it
1: might be perhaps when the death star crashed it caused like a cataclysmic environmental disaster
0: no unfortunately it's not uh, because um disney disneyland in florida or whatever it is where the star wars exhibit is as put out a press release saying they're updating their their exhibit to include the locations from uh, this film and it mentions. Uh, a new moon of Endor that we've not heard of before which is where the Death Star crashed. I forget what it's called at the moment. Somebody will tell me off for it but there's a name for it. So it's not on Endor it's somewhere else. So no Ewoks.
1: Oh, I know. Well good as well because then they have not been wiped out. Although well, she was running like around the end.
0: woods so there's nothing to say that she didn't go to Endor briefly on her way there. I do think that the ice planet with all the TIE fighters looks pretty cool though. Is that where the Emperor's chilling out? <laughs> um, well I would I presumed he was in the wreckage of the Death Star.
1: Oh, I thought he'd be chilling out in the AC Empire with that big, gnarly-looking chair.
0: There seems to be a lot of rumours that he's he is elsewhere, right in the Outer Rim. You know, the place where we don't really go to ever, uh, and he's hiding out there, rebuilding his army. Which could explain all the ships. Coming out of the ice. Yes. Anyway, next question. Um, but what didn't you like? I don't remember the questions. I don't think there was anything I didn't like, to be fair. Very good. What are you most looking forward to? that version of this uh the theme tune oh he's, he's done a good job old john he has he's done an excellent job that's uh that was not the soundtrack that i expected to hear in this trailer and it was very well done
1: but it's the soundtrack you deserved
0: it was the soundtrack i deserved yeah uh, this is it's difficult to digest and obviously people have spoken about it a lot because it's been online for about a week and a half now sadly it came out right after our last podcast um so i don't know that there's too much fresh that we can say to it but there's just there's a lot of callbacks to the films that come before it. There's obviously a lot of nods to um, Return of the Jedi because this is, again, the third and final. You can see that Abrams is trying to steer it slightly back towards a more classic Star Wars feel than what Ryan Johnson did.
1: Well, I suppose his was very classic of A New Hope anyway, wasn't it?
0: It was, so I feel like he was trying to create a new trilogy that emulated that trilogy. But then, obviously, people were saying that the force awakens was too much of a carbon copy but then people said that so they brought in a different director and did something totally different and people said it's shit
1: you just can't win i don't (laughs) i don't mind my nostalgia
0: in this age of the internet you just can't win be interesting to see how luke factors into this because he's on the cast list Uh, so presumably force ghost luke but who else is going to be back as a force ghost? Obviously Yoda, we one would presume. Mm. Uh, Rumours that... Um, I can't remember his name. Hayden Christensen may be back f- and having filmed new scenes as Anakin Skywalker's force ghost. Ewan McGregor, maybe?
1: Well, he's got his Obi-Wan film, hasn't
0: he? Uh, series. What was the series? Oh, yes, on Disney, whatever. Disney Plus. That's the one. So he could be back. Uh, I've seen a lot of people hoping that Qui-Gon Jinn, Liam Neeson, will return as a force ghost. Uh, will Carrie Fisher end up a Force Ghost, or will how will Leia get written out? Is a big question.
1: Or will she get written out?
0: I really like that she's received top billing on the poster as well. She's now top of the cast list, which is really quite sweet. Could Harrison Ford return as a Force Ghost? Probably not, because he was never a Jedi. But you never know what the film might throw at you. Anything else that you want to say about Star Wars before we move on? No, I just think I'm very, very excited about it. So uh, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, not Rise of the Skywalker, as I keep calling it, is in cinemas from December the 19th, 20th, um, and you can book your tickets now. We are booked in to see it, not sadly, at a midnight screening, because, you know, we'll have work. So we're seeing it the following day. Oh, You could do a a three-part midnight screening. Oh my god. Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and Last Jedi finishes at midnight, so you can see this at the second it's released.
1: We're gonna to have to do like a mass rewatch.
0: It starts very
1: soon. As the rewatch? Have you planned it in? Yes. No. Why do you sound disappointed? No, just not I don't know. I'm surprised but I'm not surprised at the same time.
0: You shouldn't be surprised at all. Next story. This one's gonna make you roll your eyes, so I'm gonna watch and wait for it to happen. Uh, Arrow spin off. Green Arrow and the Canaries has started filming. So this is the series that's going to star Juliana Harkavy uh, So that's Dinah, Black Canary And um, Katie Cassidy So uh, Laurel Black Canary And uh, future Arrow daughter Cat uh, McNamara And I can't remember her character's name now uh, Forgettable female Green Arrow
1: Forgettable Arrow
0: Yes Flarrow.
1: Beige Arrow
0: I just don't think it's necessary No we don't have a lot of context to it at the moment so there's been some preview artwork that was done to make it look like a comic book cover which had the three of them together but now I understand there's a bit more context to it that some of it will be in the future and some of it will be in the present so oh, I don't on board know. already. <laughs> so I don't know if it's going to be the canaries in the present day and a green arrow in the future or if post Crisis on Infinite earth her timeline's folded into our timeline and she's no longer in the future she's in our time or they're now in the future I don't know either way it's not something that I'm particularly interested in at this point in time I will, you know, I will give it a chance when it's out. Um, The pilot's going to be, actually, it's a backdoor pilot, so it's an episode of Arrow. So they're not filming it as a, it's the first episode in filming a new series. It's an episode of Arrow that's coming up. Um,
1: I don't think they still did that. It's very 80s, isn't it? What,
0: backdoor pilots? Nah, well... It just makes me think of Golden Girls, I'm sorry. (laughs) uh, The last big one that I can think of is something like Grey's Anatomy, doing private practice as a backdoor pilot.
1: Oh, and that fire program yeah yeah, there you go so it's a very
0: shondaland thing supernaturals had four or five backdoor pilots and not a single one of the shows has ever been picked up uh we don't know that this has been picked up yet that's not something that's been uh, been confirmed yet it's just something that is now in production so we'll have to wait and see i just don't think there's a huge amount of mileage left in that future timeline the canaries fair enough laurel has come into her own in this series so far uh so i there's plenty that could be done there, and Dinah's a very interesting character, but I just don't think there's much that can be done with that trio.
1: I don't think we need a, an on-screen Birds of Prey and a small screen Birds of Prey. Would, that, would they
0: get away with that? I don't think you could call it that, because... The it's almost like they're trying to do it. There's yeah. like a watered-down Birds of Prey. Very heavily watered-down. It's
1: like a... what's a small bird that's not a bird of prey? Pigeon, pigeons Pigeon? of Prey. The pigeons of Pre. all
0: right okay we're gonna move on from that one in other arrowverse news batwoman has been picked up for a full season so now it won't be shooting just 13 episodes it's shooting the full 22 uh i'm on the fence about this one as well i didn't really like episode one um we, we still don't have time to talk about this because we have so many titans to talk about uh i thought it was all right on second watch i thought episode two was better i enjoyed episode three so i'm looking, for, looking forward to episode four which we'll be watching tonight hopefully um But I don't know whether it's a show that could be strung out that far unless they've got some major plans beyond uh, Alice. Given that she doesn't seem to be the big bad, there needs to be something major going on for it to be able to stretch out that far. I felt like it could have worked better as a shorter story arc.
1: Yeah, I think 13 would have been better for Series 1. I'm not sure how they're going to eke this out to 22.
0: No. So watch this space on that one. Uh, Still no confirmed UK air dates for Batwoman either. So this is going to be a real problem for Crisis this year no? because Flash, Arrow, and Supergirl all are obviously on Sky 1. Uh, there is no... And Black Lightning on Netflix. Um, but there's no news on when Batwoman will actually be on the air here. So we're to it's going to be like the classic days of Buffy and Angel when they went out of sync um, in that we might not get the full crisis when we're supposed to get the full crisis. Or, I don't know, they'll end up showing an episode of Batwoman and it'll be completely out of sync with the rest of the season. It's a crisis within a crisis. It is a crisis within a crisis. Um... It is a crisis within a crisis. If only there was someone to solve it. We need the monitor. We do. Uh, Next on the news list, Wonder Woman. We finally have uh, an idea when we'll see the first trailer for Wonder Woman 1984. So it's been announced that Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot will be at the CCXP convention in Sao Paulo, Brazil on the 8th of December.
1: I keep thinking this is coming out this year, but it's not, is it?
0: Nope, next June. It always makes me really sad when I realise. So Warner Brothers first up confirmed uh, that w- uh, Wonder Woman's going to be there. Uh, it's actually subsequently been confirmed that the cast of Birds of Prey are all going to be there as well. So it's going to be a big DC Warner Brothers event panel that closes this uh, this festival, but it's basically now all but confirmed that um, they'll be showing the first teaser for Wonder Woman 1984 during that panel. The press release for it as well has also confirmed that Pedro Pascal, who you remember from Game of Thrones... Do I? Yes. He was the man who got his head crushed by the mountain, in a duel. Oh yes, the guy that was in Buffy, um, of human bondage. Oberon, Markell. that's the one. Um, I don't know the real names. I, I struggle. He's also the ma- the main uh, character in the Mandalorian, the Star Wars series on Disney Plus. Sorry, uh, sorry, the press release for for Wonder Woman appearing at this convention has confirmed that he's playing Maxwell Lord. Oh, yes. Nice little DC deep cut.
1: Interesting.
0: Yes. Uh, hopefully that trailer will give us our first look at uh, Cheetah as well, that would be nice to see Because they've managed to keep that completely secret Up to this point
1: I'm interested to see how she plays Cheetah
0: I'm interested to see how she plays dramatic
1: Think there'll be a little bit of dramatic comedy in there.
0: Probably, yeah Hopefully not akin to her performance In Ghostbusters
1: <laughs> Controversial Maybe she'll do like a, a weird Michelle's favorite thing and have a bath
0: I hope not That would be a bit weird. Last up in the news this week is Mortal Kombat 11 which is currently available on PlayStation and Xbox consoles. It's uh, recently been announced that they were adding some new playable characters including Joker who's coming up early next year and Spawn but they've just launched the T-800 played by Arnold Schwarzenegger from Terminator which was added just in time for Terminator Dark Fate to hit cinemas. You can pick that up as a DLC pack now. I got the chance to go and play this the other day which was very much good fun uh we got lots of terminator goodies which we might just have to give away at some point Ooh, giveaways yeah we've got quite a lot in the giveaway cupboard well, i got invited by 20th century fox to just sit down in uh, in game just off oxford street and basically spend an entire night just beating the living daylights out of every character going as terminator couldn't quite think what to say there basically i just played as terminator for like two hours terminated, terminated. he's got some really cool moves we discovered a fun one where uh So we were playing Terminator on Terminator um, and there was a special move whereby you could melt Terminator's skin off and it just became the robot that was underneath which was very cool.
1: Yeah. So I think the question here is will you be back to play it again?
0: (laughs) Yes, I absolutely will be back to play it again um, and we'll be back later on to tell you about the film Terminator Dark Fate which is in cinemas now. That is all for the news this week. Time to recap the rest of our visit to New York. We kind of ended this discussion last time at the end of Comic-Con. So, uh, do you want to touch on what we did after Comic-Con?
1: Well, the fun did not stop.
0: (laughs) The fun (laughs) continued. On Selena Kyle's answering machine.
1: Yes. (laughs) Uh, What did we do afterwards? So, we went up the Empire
0: State. We did, which was... An experience. An experience, to say the least. Um, So, last time we were there, we went up Rockefeller Center, didn't we? And we did that during the day. So, we said, okay, if we're going back, then we'll go up the Empire State Building and we'll do it at night. So uh, we went to the Nintendo store first with Nicola and Chris, um, bought some merchandise. I bought all the t-shirts. I ran around the shop trying to avoid you as best I could so I could pick up more t-shirts without you knowing.
1: You did very well. Could you deposit me in the Pokemon section and disappeared?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know my audience. Um, And then unfortunately, by the time we got out of the shop, it was absolutely chucking it down. So we sort of hid for a little while, didn't we? Uh, Hoping that it might pass, which it didn't. It just got worse and worse and worse. And uh, then we ran to TGI Fridays for some dinner. Yeah, it was a very interesting dinner, but we won't dwell on that. Uh, no, if you want to hear the ins and outs of that dinner, go and listen to um, We Have a Hulk this week, because they, <laughs> tell, they tell the story very well of us ordering three strawberry lemonades and getting three glasses of water. But then we went up the Empire State Building, uh, which was really fun, actually. It was cool up there. Um, I got some awesome video footage that I need to download off my camera and look at it properly. But it was um, it was quite stormy, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, so I think... Well, 89th floor, yes. in
0: the wind and the
1: rain. Yes. Yeah. At one point, I honestly thought it was going to blow away. <laughs> uh,
0: it wasn't the kind of place where you wanted to open your umbrella. Um, but several people did. Yes, and one poor girl was trying to take some really snazzy photos in a dress that was doing a Marilyn Monroe on her.
1: Thankfully, she managed to hold her down because I, uh, I that would have ended badly it would have
0: ended very badly uh, I kept holding my camera over the edge of the building to try and get photos looking straight down to the street which was uh, well my testicles disappeared back inside my body on several occasions uh, just from looking over the edge
1: I couldn't, I could barely stand upright because it was that windy. Then, when I saw you put your hand out
0: with your phone, I was like, I'm not buying your new one. <laughs> if that goes, then that's it. I think if I dropped my phone off the end of the building, I probably would have killed someone.
1: Well, imagine if one of those umbrellas blew away as well. Exactly.
0: But I got really cool like video. real life Mary Poppins.
1: <laughs>
0: I got really cool video looking up at the spire on the top of the building, though. And it looks like there's smoke swirling around it, but it's not. It's the clouds of the rain. It's really cool. And, uh,. I didn't quite catch the full story on this but they light the building up different colours at different times so you noticed it was blue it was lit up blue I didn't look up because it was so windy no no if you looked down it was lit up oh I couldn't uh, couldn't look down either Um, it made me want to vomit so they were saying it lights up different colours and then that model that was in the foyer is also pre-lit to show the colour of the the building for that day oh okay. oh you were paying so much attention in that museum
1: well Um, nobody pays attention to the museum I
0: did so it was all lit up blue that night, so loads of my photos have got a weird like, smear across the lens because of the rain, but are also all blue and misty. It's quite cool. Mm-hmm. So that was Monday. What did we do on Tuesday? Tuesday. Um, we went for a walk down to the Brooklyn Bridge. We did. It was a very long walk. Never walked so much in my life. No. That was the walk of... Shame? Well, I was going <laughs> to... We walked through plenty of protests that day. We did, it was all Non-violent those... environmental protests. Yeah, it was environmental people. Yeah.
1: Because they it, it had those weird symbols. What were the people... What were they called?
0: Oh, um... Chaos Bleeds. No, that's a Buffy game. It's a game. Um, Extension Revolution.
1: Yes, it was them. Yeah, they were there. Yeah, so that was interesting. We had a nice pizza. We had, a
0: pizza. we had a lot of pizza. We had a lot of pizza that entire week. Yeah. Uh, we were brave and did the subway. We did do the subway, which was very... Random. Everyone tells you the subway's going to be really scary and it wasn't. And I kept giggling because there was that guy singing RuPaul that was sat near me and all I could hear was music from RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, it was interesting. And then we went to see Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. So Beetlejuice the musical has been open for, what, five, six months maybe? Mm, Yeah. Got nominated for a bunch of Tony Awards, didn't win any though.
1: No, that's a shame.
0: But I picked this because I hate musicals. (laughs) Uh, So it was my choice because it was about the only thing that I felt I could stomach seeing. And you weren't really looking forward to this, were you?
1: No, I don't know. I had a bit of mixed
0: feelings because I'm not a massive fan of the lead. No, he's a, he's um, very energetic and doesn't quite have the rough edge of Michael Keaton. I think he's a bit like Marmite. But how were you feeling after you saw it? Oh, I really liked it, to be honest
1: with you. I was pleasantly surprised.
0: I loved it, and I hate musicals. It's so unusual for me to like a musical, but I loved every second of it.
1: Yeah, no, it was really good. I was very impressed with the staging and the close-up magic.
0: Yeah, and all the little. Yeah, so it was some really cool set design. It was mainly just the living room in uh, the in the house. Um, so the Deets. Ha- well, it's not the Deets' house to begin with, is it? But obviously they pass away, and then the Deets move in. Um, but that set changed interior design what three or four times yeah because it was all like lasers and projections and all that jazz it was and there, clever. Was a, there was a lot going on in terms of sleight of hand magic so thing uh he, you know Beetlejuice snatched a piece of paper out of lydia's hand and then threw it and it burst into flame on stage there was, there was loads of stuff that was going on it was really clever and they also managed to reconstruct some of the like monster moments from the film as well so the giant sandworm was there
1: yeah so he rode that a couple of times that came out that was quite impressive
0: and then uh when they were doing the dinner scene um the the hands rose up out of the plates and grabbed people's faces. And then somebody else was running around with a tray that then did the like snake face thing, although he was facing away from us. But it was still really clever the way they created some of the moments in the film. They did change the story a bit, though.
1: Yeah, it was quite a different change in the story. So. I wasn't a massive fan of
0: the girl. N- no, I guess she was maybe... L- L- Lydia? Lydia. Yeah, Lydia. I guess she was maybe trying a little bit too hard to be strange and unusual.
1: I just find her a bit...
0: Broadway, the problem is it. I think the problem for that is that it's not a very Broadway story. But they were very Broadway actors, so there was they were still trying to bring that sort of happy clappy, handy wavy.
1: No Dickensy, you doing. That. I
0: know. I'm, I'm trying to. I can't think of the right words to say it. Broadway. Yeah. Pizzazz. <laughs> Piz- yes, they were trying to bring some pizzazz to a story that should be more goth and dour. I didn't mind them adding in the scene at the beginning just to show that Lydia's mum had passed away. That maybe added some context that you you would get from the film, but maybe they didn't have time to do elsewhere in the film, so they needed you to know really quickly as to why she was how she was. I'm trying to think of some of the other major changes without spoiling too much. Um, she went after her mum in the underworld,
1: so she had this whole thing about stealing the book. Of yeah, there the was a bit more disease. to that, wasn't there?
0: And the stepmom was totally different as well. She was a life coach. Oh yeah, so the stepmom was a life coach that had been hired by the Dan to try and help her through it, and they were sort of secretly having an affair.
1: Yeah. Well, not really having an affair, they were just having a secret relationship. Yeah.
0: Well, obviously,
1: bit, yeah. yeah. But I, I quite like. She was really good, actually. She was a great actress. Um, she was she very funny. The Miss Argentina as well.
0: Yes. Which was really good. I yes. was very
1: impressed, though. She got from green, back to not green. Yes. Because that you, was proper makeup.
0: I was going to say. So obviously, like chest legs arms could easily be like a body stocking but then hands and face were all completely green and then she was like not green anymore and she wasn't off stage for all that long it was there must be a hell of a lot that goes on behind the scenes of that one um and then other bits like when they crossed over to the underworld you had to go with the shrunken head and that prop was actually moving from side to side and his little eyes were moving and everything
1: and they had the full football team but it was only one
0: man yeah because it was all like it was all on um, strings. Like that
1: classic. What's that? Like foosball. Yeah. What was the program called?
0: You remember the program? That program. Friends. They had a foosball table. No,
1: <laughs> the one on a Saturday night was a little like the Generation Game. It was very right. Generation Game. Okay. Maybe I'm just making that up. No, I, I I suppose I can see what you mean. Like, oh, go quick. See if you can make this line of ten people dance.
0: I've, I've gone weird Maybe you've not. gone weird um, good music as well uh, I can't say I've listened to the whole soundtrack since we left it but there's a few songs that I've definitely listened to a handful of times since we saw it
1: I don't think it's not a soundtrack that I would actively go back and listen to Okay.
0: I hope it's something that comes to London eventually it's something that more people deserve to see rather than it just being on Broadway
1: yeah it was very good, I would recommend it
0: I would definitely see it again and I'd also recommend The Diner Next Door <laughs> Would you like to mention Ellen's Stardust Diner? It's like the the most magical place in the world
1: outside of Disneyland. You've never been to Disneyland? Well, so
0: I'm told. So, Ellen's Stardust Diner has been around for, what, 50 odd years? And it's kind of a breeding ground for new Broadway actors who are jobbing, basically. So, whilst they're auditioning and no doubt waiting tables, they're waiting tables in a restaurant where they can sing all the time.
1: It was hilarious. It was a lot of confetti. It was a lot of confetti. Thank God I watched the YouTube
0: video first, otherwise my lemonade would have been ruined. And I was glad that they didn't just do songs from the musicals.
1: Yeah, I wanted more songs from the musicals. You, Nicola, and
0: Chris were all a bit disappointed by the amount of pop songs. Yeah. You yeah, wanted more Disney. It was quite good, though.
1: I quite liked the Titanic one. That was my That favorite. was very funny, yes. say so it, like, it was on a split level, so the girl was up on the like mezzanine level. And when they hit the iceberg, there was a little man underneath her with uh, a leaf blower blown up to give the effect, you know, she was all wind blowing. And then they were throwing straws and confetti and stuff. It was very good.
0: It was excellent actually. And I hate that song, but it was a very good rendition. Yeah. I didn't, I could have done without the every hour they go around with a bucket asking for money. It's a shame because obviously you're in America, so you know that waiters and waiting staff don't get paid very well. Um, but we're we already know we're going to be paying a tip so we're already paying for dinner we're already paying a tip for them to come around with a bucket and say we want more of your money to help us pay for tap classes um it did uh, we gave that was probably one of the most expensive meals purely based on the amount of money that we had to give on top of how much we were paying for food
1: yeah. and i don't mind that i mean fair enough they're all jobbing and you need extra money but put like a little bucket at the door or something yeah don't have like a big rant about it every hour because at one point I was like, "Oh, you're really, really labouring this a bit too much now." Yeah, yeah. Because he was, oh, I can't remember. He was, was like, "Oh, I was in Mamma Mia twenty years ago, and now here I am. Give me money." I'm like, well,
0: <laughs> I don't think he quite said "give me money," but yeah, it was. It was a case of you know, you can be really successful, and then you cannot be successful, and you could go from being a waiter to being a Broadway actor to being a waiter again in five minutes. So. We're always trying to learn new skills to help us push our careers forwards. Help however you can.
1: And we did, and we enjoyed it thoroughly. Yes, we did. And I would love to have a go back, but you wouldn't let me.
0: <laughs> we had to vary the food that we ate.
1: And you know, it. it took, we had to queue for like a good hour and a half before we got in.
0: Yes, this is not somewhere that takes bookings, so you have to queue and wait until you can get in. Interesting queuing system, though.
1: I felt really sorry for the couple at the table next to us because the wife clearly knew what it was and the husband did not
0: I did not notice that and he was not enjoying it oh dear <laughs> well okay that leads us to Wednesday which was our final day that was the day we left
1: it was that was uh, probably the wettest day that was the
0: day <laughs> that was the day of all the rain
1: but it was the day we then decided to do the movie tour
0: and buy all the Nightmare Before Christmas merchandise from vans. yes uh, but yes movie tour that's the most important part What do we see? Highlights of the movie tour. So the Friends building again. Yep.
1: And there's a very wet picture of the four of
0: us. Yes, there's a very, very wet picture of the four of us. looking. the rain. Well, it's it's quite funny because you have your umbrella. And you seem slightly chuffed with the fact that you've got an umbrella. Uh, Chris looks like some sort of Eskimo with his hood up. Nicola looks a bit like she probably doesn't want to be there because it's absolutely chucking it down. But at the same time, it's Friends, so it's quite exciting. Uh, And I just look like me. I just look, I don't even have a hood up. I'm just stood in the rain without an umbrella being like, hi, I'm here.
1: Oh, I didn't really want to put the umbrella down because what people missed was like the 50 pictures that was taken at that time whilst the queue of traffic in the middle of the road was trying to get past us. Yes. And the lady was just like, oh, smile, smile. I'm like, come on. <laughs> it's yes. raining and there's traffic.
0: <laughs> it was a good laugh though. Yeah,
1: it was good. I thought mo- most of it was on a bus, which was fine. It was just the moment she had to get out the bus. Yeah. It?
0: So we started off with the house from I Am Legend, where Will Smith lives during the film, and that's on Washington Square Park. Went to the Friends building. Uh, there was a lot of like Seinfeld yeah, and so much Sex and the City and stuff like that. Um, or oh, went to the Home Alone Hotel. Home Alone Hotel. Uh, obviously the ice rink from the end of Home Alone 2 in Rockefeller Center. Uh, what was your favourite bit, though? Oh, the Ghostbusters. <gasps> that was the best bit. So the last time we were in New York, the Ghostbusters firehouse was... Um, under some kind of reconstruction works so it was under scaffolding wasn't it so we couldn't really see the building whereas this time it was open and actually you can go in so they're completely open to the public if the doors are open they uh, they welcome people to go in and have a look around and take photos and they also sell t-shirts because their their firehouse logo now has the ghostbusters ghost incorporated into it
1: so they've got the original ghostbuster sign that was in the film it's inside the fire station on the wall yes and it's a working fire station who knew yeah.
0: Yeah. It's been working for over 100 years. Yeah. It's never stopped.
1: But I love the fact that they've embraced it. So they've got the logos. They've got their own special Ghostbusters yeah. FDNY logo on the ground outside with their own special t-shirts. Which is really nice because if you buy a t-shirt, it then goes into the Firefighters Fund.
0: It does. Also saw lots of locations from Spider-Man. So you've got the Flat Iron building, which is the Daily Bugle. We saw a few places from both um, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man as well as uh, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. Didn't really... Oh, Avengers. So I didn't realise that Washington Square Park was also from Avengers Infinity War.
1: Oh yeah, with a big game fight. So it's where
0: Tony's walking with um, Pepper. And then where the big fight first ensues when um, Spidey first kind of gets into the action. So that was pretty cool. uh, But very, very, (laughs) very wet. So we immediately went from there with soaking wet feet to buy new shoes. uh, Because neither of us wanted to fly with wet feet. And then we had to sit in the hotel lobby for a good, like, hour and a half waiting for our hotel transfer. And that was it. Our New York adventure was over.
1: And then we were back home,
0: back to work. Back to routine. Back to routine. But that sort of segues nicely into the next thing that I was going to talk about, which was the first screening that we went to after we got back, which was for Zombieland, semicolon, double tap, sequel to the 2009 original. Which I had never seen until the day before. The day before. So before we talk about this one, uh, let us have a little sneaky peeky trailery moment. It's been 10 years since the zombie apocalypse.
1: Oh my god, we're back again!
0: And this dysfunctional family. Merry Christmas! Do you know what I would like? I don't give a fuck what you'd like. Has survived by using their wits and by following the rules. Those are for pussies, nothing personal. How could that not be personal? That's like my whole thing.
1: Yeah, you're right, it was personal.
0: On October 18. What made you do it? And
1: don't say the script. Can this be just between us? Drugs cost money. Didn't see that coming, right? Some kind of zombies. Stronger, faster, better adapted to the
0: hunt. They're much more afraid of us than we are of them. You'll be the first to die, but I like your enthusiasm. You might die. Uh, Thank you for your sacrifice. From the director
1: of Venom.
0: Need a ride? Oh, yeah.
1: And writers of Deadpool. Casablanca. Oh, God. Well, I think I would have made a damn fine president. I think those cigars were left over from the Clinton administration. Academy Award nominee, Woody Harrelson. Let's kick some dicks. Academy Award nominee Jesse Eisenberg.
0: Right now, right now. Academy Award nominee Abigail Breslin. weed, do you? Boom. Academy Award winner Emma Stone. What the fuck? Zombieland double tap. Have
1: been nut up or shut up. That thing's very 2009.
0: <laughs> Zombieland Double Tap is in cinemas uh, globally in fact now. It's directed by Ruben Fleischer, who directed the first film, but also directed Venom. It stars Woody Halson, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, and Abigail Breslin. This film also introduces some new characters. So you've got Zoe Dutch as Madison, your new favorite character. Uh, you've got, I'm gonna have to pronounce this right, Avan Drogia as Berkeley. And uh, my favorite, which would be Rosario Dawson as Nevada. You also got a little cameo from Luke Wilson and Thomas Middle Ditch, Not Middle Mitch, Middle Middleditch. Uh, who play Albuquerque and Flagstaff.
1: there's also another good cameo, but you have to wait until the
0: very end to see that one. Not the cameo from What's Her Face, who so I can't stand. Oh, not her, the other one. <laughs> Although she's in it, but nobody cares about that. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to mention her name, mainly because I can't remember it, because I've completely forgotten about Well, existence.
1: you just don't, you don't give her more press.
0: No. Uh... <laughs> That's good. That sounds like a huge tease for people to stay to the end of the, tri- uh, the credits now Say the end of the trailer So, you, yeah, as you just said, you hadn't seen the first one until the day before um, I had seen this one before, uh, but I hadn't seen it for a little while So it was good to do a refresh before we saw it What, what did you think of the original then?
1: It was alright, I'm not a massive fan of Jesse, what's his face? Eisenberg I just find him, I don't know, he just seems to play the same person over and over again Yep and then you made me see that play with him when I didn't like him in the play.
0: Because he played the same character?
1: Well, I think he played the same... It was, like, worse. He was, like, really irritating. <laughs> okay. I was just like, oh, it's him again. But I actually really liked this film.
0: I, well, uh, I wouldn't say I don't like him. I wouldn't say I'm his biggest fan. Uh, I, I'm i still on the fence about his Lex Luthor. I enjoy him in stuff like um, The Social Network. And I can't think what else I've seen him in. I enjoyed that play as well, although it was a bit... Um, Pointless. No, I was going to say more. Um, I don't want to say egocentric. That sounds really terrible because I don't want to call him arrogant. That's not what I mean. But it very much was centered on him and him being himself, being that character. Egocentric. But I do really like him in in both Zombieland and this film. I think he's really likable in this. I, yeah, I really liked him. I didn't mind him in it. You. So you prefer this second one to the first one?
1: I did actually. I thought it was funnier.
0: Interesting. I think it's probably on the same level. Um, I didn't, so I hadn't reviewed the first one because it goes way back before this whole Geico venture existed. Um, I think I probably would have given the first one like an 8 or a 9. I'd give this one a 7 or an 8. I think it's it's on par. It certainly makes use of a bigger budget.
1: It does. I must admit, I'm not a fan of scary films. And although I watched the first one thinking, oh, this isn't scary. At one point, I was like, oh, this is getting a bit too much for me. You got a bit stressed at one point, yeah. did
0: you not? In Act 3, when there was a rather large horde. I was like, this is getting a bit too... T- I was starting to twitch in my seat thinking, you're going to absolutely shit yourself in a minute.
1: I wouldn't be that bad. I would be pretend to be brave because I was in a room full of people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Running away. I would have just moaned about it later. Run through the door, leaving like a, a mountain shaped hole in the door.
1: Oh, I've got to go to the bathroom. <laughs>
0: and cry. <laughs> okay, so, uh, favourite character in this one then? Um, Woody... Halton. Halton harlson harlson
1: i I always like him i think he's really funny
0: he is very funny yes
1: i always love him everything everything i've seen him in i've always found him funny i don't know
0: (laughs) grammar is shocking tonight (laughs) so that's tallahassee yeah so good (laughs) uh do you like tallahassee because you both have a uh love of twinkies oh I know i was so angry (laughs) So when we went, that's why to I mentioned the, it.
1: Oh, you've brought back all these angry memories now. You promised me pizza and refreshments,
0: and there was one tray of Twinkies. and that Sony promised girl... me pizza and Twinkies. Uh, I didn't realise that you know there was going to be sort of a couple of people serving a very small tray of food.
1: God, I thought she was about to be attacked. She looked like she was being chased by a horde of hungry zombies.
0: The poor girl was being chased around the room by people that wanted to eat a tray of Twinkies. And
1: it made me angry because one girl got one, and then she threw it away because she didn't like it. I know. I was like, I would have ate that. Not if she nibbled on it. Okay. Anyway, sorry. It's not favorite important. new character. Favorite new character. Do you know? You know, you keep
0: saying Madison, but she was yeah, she was quite funny. <laughs> you don't don't don't, <laughs> don't try and deny it. You love the airhead. Yeah. They remind you of you. you remind me of me. The only thing I felt with her character was, and I said it to you didn't I, I whispered it to you during the film, which was, I know exactly what's going to happen here.
1: It was a bit obvious, but then it's not really a film that makes you think.
0: No, but, I mean, the first one is completely original in what it did, because, and I said this in my review of this one, um, when the first one came out, The Walking Dead wasn't even a thing yet. The Walking Dead didn't premiere until, you know, a couple of years later, and this, instead of being a spoof zombie film, is... It's, it's not a spoof at all. It's a, it's a genuine comedy in a, in a zombie world. It takes it takes shots at other zombie medium, but at the same time, takes itself seriously when it needs to. Um, and I think they managed to recreate that in this one as well.
1: I like how they try to explain away certain things, like oh yes, it rains, therefore the dams, dams still work, f- and f- so we still have power. We still have power, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: but they they know when to. Uh, when to do stuff like that to gloss over it because this isn't the kind of film that needs to get bogged down in detail and when to spend more time on something funny. So it was just a little bit disappointing that with her character they did something that was so obvious.
1: But then... But then they needed it for the story, so... Yeah. And, you know, it's fine. It was funny.
0: Not that you asked, but my favourite character would obviously be Wichita. Yeah. Why? You're looking at me as if you go, I don't know which one that is. <laughs> I don't remember. Because it's, it's Emma Stone, long and brain. I love Emma Stone. Oh,
1: Emma Stone, right, okay.
0: Gwen Stacy. Yes. <laughs> there we go. That poor little hamster in your brain's running. like There's smoke coming out of your ears while you're like, who is that, who is that, who is that? I've had a very
1: busy day, leave me be. As, although as we sit here, I smile because on the wall behind you is a picture of you being attacked by a zombie. In a revolving door, in yes, revolving thank you very door. much.
0: No one brings, needs to hear that story. Brings back good memories. Thank you very much. Move swiftly along.
1: You don't want to... You, we've mentioned it. now you have to tell.
0: Them. No, if anybody wants to know the story of me in a revolving door with a zombie, then tweet me. No, don't tweet him. Tweet me, because he'll just lie. Laugh. <laughs> okay, if anybody wants to hear the story of me shut in a revolving door with a zombie, tweet at BoyWonder1989. He will tell you it, quite gladly. So, moving on. Moving swiftly on from that one. Uh, highlight moment of the film? I can't remember it. It was all funny. There was not
1: there wasn't a joke that that I can think of at this moment in time. Okay. I just enjoyed it. It was, a, it
0: was a as a right royal romp. <laughs> okay then. Once again, not that you asked, but my highlight moment would be uh during the third act final battle, uh when uh everything and all hope is lost when um ooh couldn't remember the character name for a minute then. When um Nevada Comes charging through uh, the horde in a ridiculously massive, like, monster truck monster truck, yeah. and mows everything down. I just love Rosario Dawson. I just see her and think Wonder Woman, just because she's voiced it for so long. Oh, yeah, she's a very Wonder Woman like, isn't she? I, just, I don't think there's anything she's ever been in that I've not liked her in, so.
1: And I liked her character with Tallahassee. Tallahassee, because um, they had a the very good. Rapport, rapport. God, oh, I can't speak.
0: I didn't think he could be much funnier than he was in the first one, but once you put him in Graceland and Elvis Town, uh, it was pretty hilarious. Fair play to them for that action scene that was pretty much one take as well. I think there were a couple of times when they mocked that it was one take and it wasn't, but it certainly was made to look like one take for almost the entire thing. And it was—it's was almost like watching Kingsman for a minute, actually, in that respect, that scene. If you want to read my full review of Zombieland semicolon double tap <laughs> it's available now at getyourcomicon.co.uk Any final thoughts on that one? You like, You want to say something so no, I, I cut we, you off.
1: I was going to ask you a question and say what your scores on the doors were but you keep throwing some shade at me being like oh well I'll ask myself the questions
0: <laughs> Well you, you know you are very good at asking the questions because so. oh,
1: you, you, you're just so good at talking.
0: Oh thank you very much. Um, oh. My review score for this one was 7 out of 10. I said Zombieland, semicolon, double tap. is gory, irreverent, and unequivocally hilarious. A surprisingly original and at times heartfelt sequel which honours the original and pushes its boundaries. I asked you for a score, not, you know... A thesaurus? Yeah. Okay. That's proving my point that you like to chat. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly onwards... Is it time... Is it time for the Titans? Oh God, I don't know if I've, I've got the
1: energy, but we'll, we'll just go for it. Okay. I, I, I don't think we can talk about them individually because we'll be here for, for years.
0: So at this exact point in time, um, don't look at the time code below. At this very moment in time, as we are recording with all of our bluffs, burps, farts and laughing, we're at 43 minutes and 20 seconds. Only some of them are from me. <laughs> so we will try and do this in a sort of speed Titans manner. Because we just need to get up to date because then in two weeks time we'll be back to normal and we won't feel like we have to do a million and one things in every podcast because we'll have caught up with life. So, season two, Titans, episode four. Episode four was Aqualad. So this was the flashback episode where we first met Garth. How did you feel about this episode? Oh, so sad. Do you feel like they squandered the character slightly? Yes. Do you think that could be because they will bring in Calderam down the line? Well, they don't. They could have kept them both.
1: Because they could have just grew him up in him Tempest.
0: They could have, yep. Because we're
1: going to grow Dick up to be Nightwing.
0: Yes, we certainly are.
1: It's very sad. I understand why they do it because they needed Donna needed a bit of a, you know. Is Whoa. the relationship
0: between uh <laughs> What are you suggesting that Donna
1: needed? She needed a bit of, you know, a bit of fight in her. Okay. Uh, Not not anything else.
0: Well. (laughs) Oh my god. Jesus. (laughs) Is the relationship between Garth and Donna something from the comics? Do you know, I'm not sure. I've not actually. uh, So at this point in time, not anything that you've read?
1: Not anything from new combo. Garth's not in sort of the the later versions. No. He was in um, Titan's Hunt for a bit. Yep. Um, But then he sort of disappeared again he went away
0: okay yeah. hmm i i liked the like i liked it tying the pair of them together it seemed to work there was some quite good chemistry between the two actors and it certainly helped give her some angst to deal with the whole idea of do i go back to themiscara am i staying here um i quite like the character of julia as well the the yeah, handler
1: I, I do like that i i, I quite like their relationship together just because that whole Themysciran, Atlantean love triangle. Yeah, two tribes I'm go not... to war. Yes, in theory it could go to war. Yeah, um, but I quite like that sort of mythical backgroundness.
0: That was all cool. Okay. Um, so, how do you feel about? Uh, what, uh, do we have to give spoilers? It's it was on TV like five weeks ago. Um, how do you feel about the the fact that it was Deathstroke that killed him off? Do you think that was slightly cheapening the story of Deathstroke to just amp up the fact that he's a villain or
1: yeah I mean they could I mean they don't he didn't need to kill Gar to Hind- it's Garth Garth.
0: Gar would be Beast Boy yeah. um, I suppose hindsight being a beautiful thing five weeks later where we've just watched episode 8 there's a lot more context to what happened in that scene now
1: yeah there is I mean I, I can understand why they're set up and it gives them a bit more sort of background to the whole rivalry and the it arch does. nemesisness of it all
0: Did we get to see enough of Garth interacting with the rest of the Titans?
1: No, I would have liked to have seen sort of more of him like suiting up and them fighting all together. Yeah, there were some
0: good sequences though. Um, Some of the stuff where they went after kind of Doctor Light version 1. I liked seeing Garth use his powers. I didn't think that we were going to get to see that much of him manipulating water. I said to you quite early on when we were watching it, are we ever going to see him underwater? And funnily enough, we didn't.
1: It's probably why they got rid of him really quickly, because his power set is quite expensive. Yeah. Well, I would imagine it would be quite expensive
0: well yeah to do a lot of underwater filming i would imagine yeah but what we got to see of him was still good it was just the same same it was just a shame that it was so short-lived really
1: it was still very well done though and it ticked all the titans boxes for me
0: scores out of 10 nine very good moving on to episode 5 which was entitled deathstroke so we go back to the present day and we pick up with what happened after uh, jason todd was kidnapped at the end of episode three what do you think of this one
1: I like this one, so again we're building up the drama between deathstroke and your team and we're hinting back to all this you know oh god don't get involved he's a bad man sort of thing and then it's almost like things are repeating themselves so
0: yeah there are there's some interesting mirrors in this episode
1: where Dick feels like he's got to solve the problem by himself. He doesn't want to drag the he team He always seems again. to feel
0: like he needs to solve the problem by himself.
1: It's the weight of the world on his shoulders.
0: <laughs> it is. He needs to let it go.
1: But we got, we've got the return of Cory, which is always good.
0: Yep, good to see her back, back in the fold. In I the really enjoyed how she balanced out everyone's attitude on Rose because she was an outsider at that point And hasn't been privy to too much of what the other's interpersonal relationships were like but also hasn't really met Rose before Um, and it's interesting to see how even though she's the least involved with any of these people that actually she's the most level headed I really enjoyed the conversation in the training room where it was should we kill her should we give her over should we keep her what do we need to do and it was interesting seeing how each person fell on which side of the argument they fell on
1: yeah I quite like that so that old classic dynamics of You know, the state that the team has been left in after the events that are being alluded to.
0: Do you not feel like the ghosts have been uh, kind of hanging over this a little bit too much, given that we don't really get to see the events of the the, you know that final end to that version of the Titans till episode eight?
1: It's a a bit convoluted, I suppose. It's kind of. It's all about cloak and Dagger, and there's all these sort of, we go back in time, and then we come back to the present, then we go back in time again.
0: Yeah, so at this point in the season we've had two flashback episodes. By the time we get to episode 8 we've had three.
1: And then it gets a bit like flashback, but then a flashback, but then a flashback. It
0: does, it goes all Inception on your ass.
1: But we're not talking about that, because that's... We need that's to get there,
0: something. Yes. I really enjoyed the fight scene between Rachel and uh, Rose in this episode. It was nice to see Rachel get to do something other than just be inside the tower. I don't... I I felt like I was going to liken her to another character, but I don't really know who I could liken her to. Um, She just seems to be a bit of a voice of reason, and a little bit... Well, a bit like Gar in a way, a little bit lost, and just sort of seems to be existing inside that tower at the moment and doesn't really go anywhere.
1: Well, I suppose she's got her own demons that she's dealing with at the minute.
0: True, she very much does. Or just the one.
1: Um, And we see that quite substantially really when she tries to take down Rose and takes her down just a bit too
0: hard. Could we be alluding to the fact that Trigon isn't dead and is trying to exert some kind of control over her from inside the gem?
1: Well, I mean, she's always got... she's always been part demon anyway. Yep. So I suppose Trigon putting the gem or moving stuff around because it was always there anyway. It was her.
0: He can't just let Trigons be Trigons. Ma-
1: uh, moving on. So I think she just needs to sort of learn to control her demon side because the whole part in the comics is where she goes off to the other dimension and trains with Azar and all yeah. her meditation and stuff. That's when we get the old Matrion's
0: and Thoth. As a Wrath Rath- Ma- Rath- and Thoth.
1: Which I'd really love that t-shirt, by the way. (laughs) Christmas is coming.
0: (laughs) Okay. So I think
1: there's a big big bit missing there where she needs to go away and learn how to control her stuff.
0: You realise that people are now going to ask me when it gets to Christmas if I bought you that t-shirt. Exactly, that's why I said it. You've just backed me into a corner.
1: You watch this Twitter space, kind listeners, if you do not see me and... A Raven S T shirt after Christmas, you know. I am
0: still worried do. about how much I got in trouble for the fact that you weren't at MCM this weekend. Um I didn't get the first time I watched this episode that Rose was dead. I what mean I know you, I know she's only like dead for a second. Squished. I didn't I I t- I don't know why, but I didn't get that. I just I know she got thrown up against the wall and I thought they were gonna have a moment of Oh god, I think we you know we're gonna think that she's dead. But I hadn't realised like Again, spoilers, but shortly after that, when all her bones start to knit and it's like you get that gross horror kind of moment where everything clicks back into place, I didn't feel like when she hit the wall she was as mashed as she then appeared to be when she fixed herself afterwards.
1: Well, I suppose it kind no, of it's magic.
0: <laughs> it's magic.
1: What else can you say? It's magic.
0: And what are you scoring this episode out of ten? Uh, eight. I gave this one a nine. Sorry, so I said Titans is developing a penchant for cliffhangers Ooh. featuring characters in precarious situations, but we can't wait to see how Jason gets out of this one.
1: Somebody's been accessing the Thesaurus onward. Thesaurus. death
0: <laughs> Deathstroke is another episode featuring some luscious storytelling and stellar fight choreography. Definitely using the Thesaurus. <laughs> um, did, Was there anything about this episode you didn't really like? I yeah. did. I loved the ending and that fight scene between uh, Dick and Deathstroke, and then with Corey involved as well. I thought it was excellent. Another. Another moment when Titans really showed its fight choreography. My only thing is, and again, this is probably, once again, knowing what I know, having seen the next episode after this, but I don't understand why this season's had so many episodes where people end on a knife edge.
1: It's, It's a bit drama, really, isn't
0: it? Jason kidnapped. Jason dropped off a building. A character, who we'll talk about in a second, getting shot at the end of the next episode. It just feels like it's a little bit of a crutch that at the end of an episode, they... It's almost like... They feel like if they don't do something that's a bit of a <gasps> I need to see what happens next moment then we'll all go Oh, okay. Might watch the next one.
1: Well, that'll never happen.
0: Well, no, exactly. That's But that's my point. There's enough going on with the storytelling in this series that you don't need to do something potentially controversial or repetitive that you think is really exciting at the end of every episode to keep us coming back. We're already bought in and I don't feel like anybody's going to come into it at this episode as someone new because it's not like it's on network TV. So it's not the kind of thing where you're going to be flicking around channels and go, oh, what's this? And watch it and then think, oh, that was a kind of kick-ass ending. I need to know what happens next. Even though it's on Netflix in this country, again, you're still not going to come into it at this point. So it it feels like for the kind of show that it is and for the the way that it's distributed, it doesn't need to be doing this kind of thing to keep itself interesting. Just a little... My only little bugbear with this season so far, really.
1: It's never really bothered me. I quite like it. So. All right, then. And we all knew he wasn't going to die anyway, because, you know, we was the crowbar.
0: (laughs) On to episode six, which was called Connor.
1: Again. So we get a dramatic end. Yes. With very little resolution. But we do get resolution, sorry. Ignore me. But it was a damn
0: good episode. It was a damn good episode, wasn't it? This is possibly my favourite episode of Titans. (gasps) Ever? Possibly, yeah.
1: That's a bold statement.
0: So, why do you even, love this episode? Even better than Donna. Uh, yeah, I would say better than Donna, yeah. <sighs> Tell us why you like this episode. Break the dramatic tension.
1: Um. Oh. So, that's like, really good. Uh, I love Connor. I love a bit of Superboy. It was very nostalgic with Crypto.
0: <laughs> crypto uh, almost stole the show, really. Well, wow, I mean, I wouldn't be telling that dog off. Remember the tagline for the Christopher Reeve Superman? You'll believe a man can fly. What oh. are we all saying now? You'll believe a dog can fly. And have laser eye beams. And catch a rocket and throw it back out the window.
1: He's a very clever dog. Man's best friend.
0: I'm really, really glad that they didn't uh, wimp out with that character. Connor we'll get to in a second, but you can easily imagine that conversation in the writer's room where they go, well, we've tried to keep the show relatively grounded in some respect. Um, you know, we're not shying away from the fact that Corey's an alien and that there are superpowers involved. But in terms of the human relationships, this show is very grounded and, you know, it can be very violent. It can be very dark. So actually, can we do an alien dog? Or, can you know, can we do this dog that's got Kryptonian powers? Or do we just have him... You know, there's a dog that they experimented on and maybe he's got some glowy green eyes but doesn't really do much and we'll call him Crypto. And they didn't. They gave him his full power set and he is like a cartoon character but thrown in the middle of this series and I think it's... I don't know. I'm just really proud of them for for doing that and not backing down and doing something more watered down.
1: He just needs a little cape.
0: He does just need a little cape. I also quite like the relationship between Connor and the the dog. They, you know, I, I feel like there's a genuine bond between the two of them
1: boy and his dog.
0: There was a lot going on in this one. We got Eve Tesmacher, who we're also seeing in Supergirl. Less said about Supergirl, the better, although at this point. um, No Lex Luthor, but but we do get to see Lionel Luthor. And um, Mercy Graves.
1: Yeah, it was good. I liked it. I liked the fact it was nice to see what could have been in the, the difference between Connor and Clark. Yes. And how sort of that sort of nature-nurture type thing, where he goes back to Smallville, but he goes to the, the Luthor House. The Luthor yep. House, instead of the Kents. Yep. And then the flashback memories of Lex getting beaten, and how that is impacting on his understanding of the world, and how he's grown up.
0: Yeah, I don't feel like Young Justice played too much on the fact that Connor has two sets of memories in his head. I quite liked that, that there was some sort of confusion between the Clark memories and the Lex memories
1: yeah it was good Uh, then it's something it's an interesting one to do because I know they they sort of played around with Superboy the sort of the iterations of him because sometimes he's got psychic abilities sometimes he doesn't oh really so like the newer version of Superboy the new mix yep had telekinetic powers and all that stuff. Ooh, I don't know how I feel about that. Because he wasn't a mix of Lex Luthor. He was... Somebody else. Completely genetically modified. Okay. He was a mix of three. Interesting. Whereas this is a very more classic superboy with...
0: It is. Classic costume. Clark and Lex. Yeah. this uh, I just felt like this episode threw a hell of a lot of DC lore at the wall and everything stuck. Nothing nothing fell. Nothing didn't work. He's just missing
1: a leather jacket and some awful sunglasses.
0: He <laughs> was. Um... I liked this version of Lionel as well. Uh, I knew that Lionel Luther was going to be in the episode. I hadn't realised he was going to be this kind of frail shell of a man. I almost expected something Smallville-like from Lionel. And even watching the episode, I thought at some point there's going to be a turn here. And it's going to be a setup that, you know, the house was there ready and waiting for Connor to get there. And that actually, that Lionel was going to turn around and, I don't know, whip out some kryptonite. And would turn out to be the Lionel that I know from Smallville era so I, I really liked that they did something quite unique with that character there
1: a bit of vulnerability
0: yeah very much so and whether Lex will follow I don't know, that could be an interesting twist at some point
1: well we'll be getting to Superman as well that's
0: the thing, You need, yeah, I don't know how we're going to deal with the fact that this Superboy now exists and people will soon know about him
1: we've got Bruce, so why can't we have Clark
0: yep, this is very true there coming
1: was... in as a father figure
0: there was basically nothing I didn't like about this episode. Genuinely, very, very little I didn't like, if anything, that I didn't like about this episode. Again, another sort of cliffhanger ending. That I think that's why I gave it a 9 out of 10 rather than a 10 out of 10. I did that... scream at the TV thinking, no, don't do what they did to Garth. Gar. Garth? Garth. Aqualad. Yeah. <laughs> You're in trouble telling the difference between Beast Boy and Aqualad.
1: No, it's just pronunciation.
0: Damn Scottish accent. I do think another one of this... Well, I'm not going to call it lazy writing. I was going to... Off the top of my head, I was going to call that lazy, but that's not fair. Another one of the sort of cliches of the season would be the fact that it was... I felt like it was pretty obvious how we were going to save Jason, knowing that the next episode was called Connor. Yeah. They ended up slightly giving it away in the synopsis because they said that an event would bring Connor in touch with the Titans. But even before I read that, I felt like it was pretty obvious that the only way Jason was going to survive that fall... Was going to be if he got caught by Superboy.
1: Which is just as well, because you know, Crowbar.
0: (laughs) Crowbar, yeah. Uh, But you're right, that that ending to the episode was a little bit hammy in that it was another cliffhanger ending with another hero kind of life in the balance. Score for this one? Uh, Nine. (laughs) That's three nines in a row. No, I gave the last one eight. Oh, yeah, you did. I gave the last one a higher score. So I said Connor throws as much DC lore at Titans as it can in order to bring the character to life. It's beautifully paced, emotionally charged and an instant classic for the series. Next, episode 7. So this episode was called Bruce Wayne. Now this was flipping hilarious. Need I say more? It was it was quite funny, I'll have to admit. I... Well,
1: dare, dare I ask what your favourite part of the episode was?
0: Easy. Uh, Bruce Wayne doing the Bat-2C in a burlesque club hands down not something I ever thought I would see ever thought I would have to say in a podcast
1: I'm very impressed that old uh,
0: Ian Glenn Ian Glenn is going to come so John was able to to pull out those moves perfectly as well it just I knew what it was instantly as soon as he lifted his arms up it was like he's doing the c. although I'm very disappointed by how much I've had to explain what the c is a lot of people are like oh the Adam West dance the Batu c. it's the c. Um, I think again, I've got a picture of you doing the bat 2 see. Yes, thank you very much, Moose. Swiftly on. Uh, I think <laughs> the, probably the most impressive thing about this episode <laughs> was how much it completely managed to pull the rug out from underneath you, based on what you would have expected the episode to be. Well, I mean, you, so I must have told you that this episode was called Bruce Wayne. Yes. So what were your expectations?
1: Uh, that Dick was going to go back to Bruce for some help and advice, advice? after yeah. being smacked down.
0: Yep, absolutely, and he didn't. We didn't, there wasn't a single actual scene between Bruce and Dick. Not a real Bruce.
1: Not a real Bruce, no. It was all the inner Bruce. So,
0: again, I guarantee there were people that were watching this that hated the fact that that wasn't a stereotypical characterisation of Bruce, but that wasn't Bruce. That was the Bruce in Dick's head. That was a manifestation of all of his insecurities having a good old pop at him when he was having a breakdown. That's my only thing. I wasn't quite... Was he having a breakdown? No, I don't think he's having a breakdown. It's probably just having a crisis of self. It's like, oh, God, I've got another
1: team. A what? A crisis of self. A
0: crisis? A crisis is coming.
1: Yes, coming. Crisis. Anyway, I just think he's sort of questioning his ability as a leader and who he is and what he's going to do next because he's not Robin anymore, so what is he?
0: Yeah, exactly. It, it's a bit of an identity search, wasn't it? Is he camp counselor? Because he's not done a very good job of that. There was just... It was just brilliant i really hadn't expected it and it was great to see titans do something that was a it was a comedy episode even though they had its serious moments and there was still a serious story about dick going and finding wintergreen and then trying to find deathstroke and how that led to what happened with jason on the rooftop at the very very end which was probably one of titans most emotional moments to date but there was just so much to to enjoy with this episode I agree. What were your scores on the door? Oh my god, you're pushing me through this one, aren't you? Uh, 9 out of 10. Bruce Wayne uh, completely defies expectations and becomes one of Titan's most heartfelt and comedic episodes to date. Very good. Uh, there's nothing else you feel like you want to say about this one? I think the Jason Todd aspect of this episode was was massive for this series.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's gonna again, it's shown all his insecurities and vulnerabilities as well.
0: There's a question of whether he's been programmed in that time he was with Deathstroke.
1: No, because then that makes sense, because he's having, I understand that now, so he's having flashbacks to Fallen. Yeah. So he wasn't really being programmed. I think standing, it was PTSD, in a way? Yeah, he's got a bit of PTSD. Blessing. And
0: how, so how, how well, the thing that I need to know now, which I guess we'll get this week from being back in the present day, is about Deathstroke being in Titan's Tower, and who was actually leaving those little notes for people to find to screw with their heads. Well. You have a theory? Could there be some sort of... I've got a theory. It could be Deathstroke. I was going to say it could be Jericho. It could be Jericho. That's the thing. It could be Jericho. Hopping around from body to body. He could be. Are we going to have to go back through the whole season to look for little shimmers of Jericho running around?
1: Maybe. You never know. It's unlikely.
0: Fair enough. Um, I, I, I felt like that was left a little bit too open for my liking. But it all depends what happens in the next episode, I guess.
1: I think it's just about PTSD. he will be fine.
0: Was this the episode? (laughs) See, now they're all blown into one. This was the episode with the weird sexy dance with Rose, wasn't it? Yes, because then she found the vinyl record.
1: Yeah, then she's like, oh my God, this is my brother's.
0: That felt felt a little bit on the um, dirty side. Yeah, it was a bit like... Then at the same time, I suddenly realised I'm old and that probably is what teenagers act like. And they are teenagers.
1: Yeah, it was a bit. My, I don't. Yeah, I
0: didn't, didn't. You didn't need to see Jason I Todd do a to sexy that, dance. No. <laughs> <laughs> that too awkward for your dad viewership.
1: It was yeah. very d- untasteful.
0: Oh dear, okay, uh, but then I really do love that scene on the rooftop. That was really touching, um, particularly for him as he had a bit of a breakdown, and that you felt the brotherly type bond between Dick and Jason, which I thought was quite nice.
1: Yeah, I quite like that sort of establishing the bond between the Robins.
0: Yes, I thought that was good. Let's just bring in um, Tim Drake now. It's
1: a bit early. We, we've not had the crowbar yet.
0: I know. So would you score this one out of ten? Nine. <laughs> Nine. I'm saving that ten for
1: something special.
0: Uh, so, episode eight, the most recent episode. We are up to date. Um, I haven't even written a review of this one yet. Uh, so, Jericho, this episode took us back into flashback for the third time uh, to tell us the story of what happened... ...after what we saw in the Aqualad episode... where, ...where Dick met Jericho in the record store.
1: This was a really sad episode again.
0: This was a really sad one. It was... I don't think this episode painted the Titans in a very good light.
1: Yeah, I don't think this whole series is painting the classic Titans in a good light.
0: They really did use him... ...and then... ...obviously they did start to fall for him a little bit... ...in that they really did make friends but ultimately Dick decided to follow through on what he was planning to do in the in the first instance and tragically it didn't end very well. Was Although getting... again typical Titans that Dick said I killed Jericho when really what he means is I take the blame for Jericho dying I didn't give the killing blow.
1: No but it was you know he created the situation in which Jericho felt like I had to step in.
0: He did. I mean him turning up was what ultimately led to that happening. That was brutal. There were two really brutal fights in this one. I loved the fight between Donna and Deathstroke. I like the way she wrapped the lasso around both her hands and used it as slightly more of a lethal weapon than just using it as a
1: It's not a whip.
0: You know what I mean, though. A lasso? Yes.
1: And uh, can of really highlights the the deadliness of Deathstroke?
0: It does. Uh, She was not left in one piece at the end of that scene. To take out a room full of Amazons. Yes. That's not an easy feat to do. No, that's true, actually. Um, I've tried. Would but... have been, <laughs> Would have been interesting to have seen that scene in general. It's a shame that's Julia killed off, but at least we got some more context to her character. And sad to see that it was Garth who stood in front of the bullet for her and actually she was the target.
1: Yeah, again, that's so sad.
0: So he was a hero after all. Not great for Donna.
1: No, bless her.
0: She's having a rough series. She's having a bit of a rough series, isn't she, really? Um
1: again this was the episode where it was a bit weird because then we had the flashbacks within flashbacks and with flashbacks and i did get a bit cross-eyed
0: yep so there was plenty of deathstroke's origin as well as jericho's origin which was really interesting to see the the how they did the slit in the throat and stuff like that that was all really interesting and deathstroke being in the in the military and being experimented on and how he broke out from that and then how he fell in with wintergreen and ended up becoming an assassin there was a there was a lot of history in this one really to be fair
1: And then how Jericho got his powers because it was all passed on through
0: Yes, so we were saying that Jericho hadn't been born yet when Deathstroke had been experimented on, right? So he was then born later on and passed through, the the powers passed through to him.
1: Yeah, it wasn't really clear because I did wonder why he went from a black beard to a grey beard, but now I understand. And from two eyes to one eye. And from two eyes to one eye, yeah.
0: So we didn't quite do the full Deathstroke origin in that respect. Uh, and then it all culminated in that huge well. So the fight between Donna and Deathstroke, and then the fight between Dick and Deathstroke, which was grim. It was pretty grim, actually. Um, I was showing it to Matt while we were waiting to go into to MCM when we were waiting for the shutters to open. Oh, I wasn't there. No, you. <laughs> all right, <laughs> you weren't there. um and it's like, it looks like it's a pretty good hand-to-hand fight and they've both got their bow staffs out. But then when um, when Deathstroke brings out the knife at the end of it and it's like, okay, stabbed in the stomach. Yes, stabbed in the leg. Yes, stabbed in the shoulder. Yes. It's like, eesh, this is not a good time for Dick. But then it gets even worse. And then Titan's tower shuts down.
1: Power Yeah. Jericho. Um, yeah. But is he really dead? Ooh. Well,
0: that's the thing. There was no shimmer in that moment that you saw pass into anybody else's body.
1: That's true, but you know, you want to give give it away. We've spent so long talking about him throughout the whole series.
0: That's the thing. That was my only probably downside to this episode. Would be that actually, although we didn't know the finer points of how it happened, we've we've seen it all. We've well, no, we've not seen it all. We've heard it all all the way through the season. So it didn't really feel like we were learning anything new. We just learnt the the reasons, or not. We just saw exactly how it happened.
1: Well, we understand the complex circumstances behind it all now.
0: Yes, that's true. It was very nuanced in that respect.
1: So it's not just a case of, oh, we killed Jericho. It's actually more complicated than that.
0: Yeah. I liked... I really want to know actually if um, Minka Kelly can read sign language or if she was just doing it from the script.
1: I bet she can read sign language. She seems like a a pretty cool that's girl. That's my
0: thought, exactly. She just seems so nice. That I bet she can do that. I bet she can. Yeah, I'd like to be your friend. Exactly, that's that situation. Is that? Oh, I'd like to be all of your friends. Did like to see uh, Hank dancing? That was flipping hilarious. He's got some moves (laughs) with uh, with Jericho inside him. Moving on, what were your (laughs) scores for this episode? I don't know because I've not written my review yet. Um, You're gonna have to give a score. I would probably give it an eight. I probably wouldn't give it a nine just based on the fact that the timeline was a little bit hickledy pickledy. Um, Oh, don't laugh at my use of that term. That's a genuine term. (laughs) <laughs> um, I, ju- I don't think it quite lived up to the last couple of weeks, just because it's been so hyped throughout the season that actually there was it needed to do something completely like mind blowing to to be unique as an episode because we already knew so much of the story. Fair enough. Your score for this one?
1: I'm going to stick with a nine. I
0: really liked this episode. Oh yeah, sorry, I've already asked that, haven't I? Have you? Yeah, because you said you're saving the 10 for something else. Or was that the last episode? That was the last Oh my god, we've talked about so many episodes that I've gone completely cross
1: eyed. Well, I'm going to give this one a name as well. I'm saving the 10 clearly for when he puts the in question on. Okay,
0: fair enough. And, and that brings us completely up to date on Titans. Oh
1: god, I need to lie
0: down. <laughs> we are completely safe that from here on in, we will just have to review Titans episode by episode, fortnightly. I'm sorry we haven't talked about that one properly for a while, but it's been a very, very, very busy few weeks. So I want to quickly tell you about a book that I read uh, in the airport when we were waiting to fly back from New York, which was Raven, uh, Teen Titans Raven, which was written by Cami Garcia with artwork by Gabriel Piccolo. It's one of uh, DC Inc's young adult graphic novels. Um, It's the first one of them that I've actually read. Uh, It's it's an origin story for Raven in many ways. Uh, It tells the story of Rachel uh, and her adoptive family. And how that ties in there's uh, there's aspects of voodoo in there it's got the trigon origin story in there as well but it's pitched at a younger audience and at an audience who maybe don't have a complete working knowledge of the dc universe so it's very simplified it's got some really nicely rendered characters in that they're very very real people there's almost a buffy the vampire slayer type angle in that uh, some of the demons are portrayed as um manifestations of things that you go through as a teenager uh, so that it's got all the it's got all the things that you would expect you know she has boy trouble she has trouble in school uh, but it's all dressed up with the idea of raven and becoming raven and what that means and what it means for her relationship with her father but it's just the reason I wanted to mention it was it's just an excellent book uh, even as somebody who's not a young adult and a reader of young adult I fiction definitely not a young adult thank you It's a really, really good read. It's a really good introduction to the character. Uh, Gabriel Piccolo's artwork is absolutely amazing. I just immediately started tweeting him while we were in the airport, because I was like, I love this book. This book is so well-drawn. And he came back to me and we had a little chat about uh, his artwork and how cool it was. And uh, both he and Kami Garcia, who wrote this book, are doing the whole Teen Titans series. So they have a Beast Boy book that's coming out next year. Um, I don't want to tell you too much about it, because actually I don't want to spoil it, because it's really worth a read and it's difficult to say too much without going into detail. But the artwork in it is stunning. There's very little colour in it. Colour's used to accent certain scenes when you need it and colour will build up as more and more is happening and then it will die down again and it's very much black and white in places. But it's just... Uh, it's. I think it's possibly my favourite book that I've read this year. And absolutely, completely worth you going out and picking up. And you haven't read it yet.
1: No, because I've, I've been trying to finish my classic Tim Drake run which I have finished now.
0: Very good. So I think you need to pick up Raven and give it a read because it's... Um, it, it's 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 my right now it's my book of the year well once i finished um crisis, crisis on infinite earth because i feel like i have to read that yes even though it's
1: a struggle i will then read uh, raven
0: very good uh, that's all i'm going to say about it uh if you haven't read it go out and buy it it's available in bookstores now and uh it, it's i th- I um, can't remember my review off the top of my head I probably gave it a 9 out of 10 but I would say in many respects this is a 10 out of 10 book because it's just a, a really perfect little product that will not take too much time but is thoroughly enjoyable in both you know, the story and the the artwork And where can it be purchased? It can be purchased at all good bookstores or where all good books are sold Folké okay. Folké? Okay. You, you just said Folké?
1: Well, if you can tell me where all good comics are sold
0: Raven is available now where all good comics are sold. We're nearly at the end of this Mammoth podcast. Two more topics to go, uh, of which you weren't present for either of them. (laughs) I'm off now. (laughs) Is that it? Are you done? I'm done. So I'm going to tell you about Terminator Dark Fate. Again, I'm going to keep this really, really quick because I've not written my review yet and the film's only just come out in cinemas, but it's something that I just want to make sure that we touch on because it deserves some time. If you've seen uh, Terminator Genisys, as we keep calling it, because it was spelled with a Y, not an I, or Salvation, which were the last two films, uh, they weren't great. They were not great entries in the Terminator franchise. They now no longer exist. They've been written over, and we've gone back to sequel from uh, Terminator 2. And this film is by Tim Miller, who you will know from Deadpool, and it stars uh, returning Arnold Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton. It also stars uh, Mackenzie Davis, Diego Luna, Natalia Reyes, and uh, Diego Bonetta. I think I said someone's name wrong in there. It's a film which is not free of plot holes and contrivances. There are a lot of moments where people or technology or some kind of MacGuffin turns up exactly when the story needs it to help push it forwards towards a pretty inevitable conclusion Uh, there are also the odd plot holes in it particularly uh, early on in the film Linda Hamilton's character mentions that she has been fighting Terminators for years and that someone has been sending her text messages to let her know when Terminators have arrived on our uh, on our earth Um, the problem that we had with that is that it's also mentioned that Skynet doesn't exist because we've surpassed the future when the apocalypse was due to happen in Terminator. And now the future where everything goes wrong is in 2042 uh, with a new company which is called Legion. And their, their robots aren't called Terminators. Uh, the particular model that we see in this film is called a Rev-9. So one of the c- kind of timey-wimey plot holes is what exactly was Sarah Connor doing fighting Terminators? And who was sending Terminators back if we'd surpassed the future that never happened and went to a future where terminators didn't exist uh i can see you're going cross-eyed i was not even paying attention i'll be honest i'm sorry okay um so there are there are problems with it it's not the most perfect narrative but it is an incredibly enjoyable film it's pretty much balls to the wall action from the start and there are some amazing moments of cgi in this film there is a version of linda hamilton uh who is de-aged to look like she did in Terminator 2 at the beginning of this film, and I genuinely, genuinely believed that it was either a lookalike or some sort of facial mapping that we've not seen before, because it's so... you wouldn't know it was CGI. If you stood here next to Henry Cavill's sand's moustache, you would think that one of them was a complete work of fiction, uh, where the other one you'd think was a human being. It's honestly unbelievable how well this film does CGI sometimes unfortunately the flip side to that is that there are moments when it looks fairly rubbery and fairly cheap uh the film masks it quite well by having a lot of scenes happen at night so there's a lot of dark moments where some of the cgi can be masked uh, which works well in the context of the film but at no point does it ruin the overall narrative or your enjoyment of the film i left the cinema thinking this was one of my favorite terminators and definitely up there as the best one that they've made since t2 thankfully removing all of the horrific memories of uh and I'm sorry to say this because I know how much you love her, but Amelia Clark being in the, in the last film as Sarah Connor was uh, a bit of a disaster, to be honest. Um, you haven't seen this yet because you weren't there.
1: No, I wasn't there.
0: You were busy, though. I was busy. I didn't just replace you for a day. No, I was very busy. <laughs> uh, so we'll maybe get you to see it at some point in the near future. You're just not a fussed about Terminator, are you? No, I'm
1: not really that bothered, to be honest.
0: Disappointed.
1: There are just some things that don't need to be
0: remade. It's not a remake, though. It's a continuation. There are just some things that don't need to be continued. One thing that we'll talk about down the line, once this film's been out for a while and everyone's had a chance to see it, is the ending of this film and where it could go if they were to make a sequel, because there were some interesting plot developments that leave it quite wide open as to where it could go next. We had a bit of a lengthy debate on leaving the cinema as to... Um, Paradoxes and where exactly the story could go next without uh, giving yourself a headache I will write my review very soon and I will come up with a score but I think I'll probably give this a 7 this feels like it's a 7 of a film last up this week before I completely lose my voice MCM Comic Con happened at the weekend I was only there on Saturday you didn't get to go at all this time because you were so busy yeah I wasn't there Would you like to tell the lovely listeners at home what you were doing so people don't think that I literally left you behind? I was sitting at home crying because you left me. What were you really doing? I was teaching first aid. Exactly. You were helping people learn to save lives. You were doing important work while I was having my photo taken with a white Ranger helmet on. It was a good event, actually. I have to say it was not a good idea to cram three days into just Saturday. (laughs) I should have at least done Saturday and Sunday because I had to rattle through everything so fast. So I got there, went straight to Funko, which was hell on earth. It was absolute. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And that comes from having just been to New York Comic Con and having been to San Diego before. The fact that people were grabbing and punching and scratching at each other to get into that queue as fast as possible was ridiculous. Especially bearing in mind that only one of the exclusives sold out over the weekend, and that was the Jack Skeleton moment from The Nightmare Before Christmas, which is proudly sitting on our uh, <laughs> our mantelpiece, I might add. Um, we've not seen if it glows in the dark yet. We've not. It does say on the box it glows in the dark. But it was just crazy. I mean, I, I enjoy a good Funko, and we've got 20 or 30 other things around the house, but I don't understand the obsession to the point of, you know scratching at the person next to you to push them out of the way so that you can get there first it was just it was unnecessary I look forward to seeing it on film though because the Funko staff all filmed everyone going running towards it uh, so we did that ran over to the PlayStation booth where we did um, Iron Man VR which I was honestly terrible at Matt has some video footage of it which if I'm brave one day I will show you but you know like when you're doing a driving lesson and they're trying to get you to parallel park or something and you like you just sort of it's supposed to be a three-point turn, and you do it in about 15 points. Yeah. Me trying to fly as Iron Man was like, a little bit to the left, a little bit up, a little bit backwards, a little bit to the right, a little bit here, a little bit there. It took me quite a while to get through the, uh, get through the scenario. But the, the graphics are really, really cool. I've not done PlayStation VR before, and I got lost a lot in looking around. And because obviously you were were flying for the whole thing. Uh, When I was up at my highest point, I did look directly down and got a bit of vertigo, which was interesting considering it was completely not real. Went over to the DC, well, there wasn't a strictly DC booth. There was a Warner Brothers booth where they had uh, Dr. Sleep, which I can't tell you about at the moment because I'm still under embargo for that one. But there was a photo op there. There was also a photo op with the Birds of Prey doing the, the Friends sofa thing that they had at New York Comic Con. So there's a picture of me on Instagram as part of the cast of Birds of Prey. You could also get a tattoo done in Harley Quinn's tattoo parlour. Uh, mine has washed off now, but I thought it was really funny how the girl was like, right, this is going to be really painful. Just brace yourself. Are you ready? And then, you know, slapped the sponge on there in the water so that she could put the transfer on. But we did that so that we could get some Warner Brothers bags. So I got a Flash bag and a Batwoman bag tempted to get the flash bag away we could fill that with prizes for someone Mm, we could Um, batwoman i kind of want to keep because i'm at that point where i think i like her now so i might keep that one we did we did so much spent some time in the hasbro booth which is when i was playing with the power rangers and put the helmet on we also did a really funny uh like photo of us stood in a marvel toy box where i'm wearing thanos's glove and matt is wearing iron man's version, and we did like a fist bump unfortunately the girl didn't take a photo of when we were strangling each other which is a shame because that looked quite funny Highlighted of well, I was gonna say of the weekend, but of the day, was the BBC uh, panel for Dracula. So Dracula is written by Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss, who you will know from uh, Sherlock fame. And also obviously Moffat from, well actually and Gatiss for some respect, from Doctor Who. Dracula is their latest series. It's going to hopefully be coming later this year, if not early next year. It's a three-part drama, uh, probably 90-minute episodes, similar to Sherlock. And it's based on Bram Stoker's Dracula. They showed the first trailer, which you can now see over on YouTube. I will put a link to it below. I won't include it in this because I've got a feeling BBC will rip it down straight away. Um, but it's just a, it's about a 46, 47 second look at the series, and it looks very dark, very horrible. It's got some very cool music. The panel included uh, Muffat and Gatiss themselves, also producer Sue Virtue, and also uh, Dracula himself, who is played by Claes Bang, who's a, I think he's Danish actor. I didn't know him from very much it looks like a lot of what he's done a lot of his CV is based in his home country it doesn't look like he's done a lot over here or in America so he's going to be a, bit of a fresh face to us I think but it certainly sounded like from what they were saying at the panel that they've done something unique that really honours the book so I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with it but as I said that'll be coming either later this year or early next year so that's one to keep an eye out for I've shown you this trailer though haven't I? Yes What did you think? I look interesting I think it's going to be really, really cool. It was that panel was the main reason that I decided to go on the Saturday rather than the Sunday because I really wanted to see what they were going to do with it. It's something that I've been excited to see footage of, and now that I've seen footage from it, I'm really, really hyped for what they're going to be able to do with it. I think it's going to be something very, very special when it's done. I'm trying to think if there's anything else important to tell you about that we did. Saw Tara Strong, who's the voice of Harley Quinn and Batgirl, and plenty of other DC Universe characters and Rugrats. and Rugrats, yet. Yeah saw simon Pegg. who else did we see Ooh, saw uh jason david frank the original green ranger tommy oliver saw him doing a little panel on the live stage he was with uh catherine sutherland who was the second pink ranger and uh the third yellow ranger was also there as well what else do we see we played a little game of spot the joaquin phoenix joker so it was loads of joker cosplay but if you saw joaquin phoenix you had to say joker joker rather than just joker Uh, so that was a little thing that went on for the whole weekend where it was like Joker, Joker, because there was just hundreds of them Joaquin Phoenix was everywhere not a lot of Harley Quinns and also not a lot of Stranger Things only one or two Stranger Things not like New York Comic Con not the most popular costume of this year a lot of fat thaws though gotta say once again there was not a huge amount of cosplay for London seems like the cosplay thing is not as big here anymore did they mostly stand outside or not inside yeah the only problem was of course it was raining so I think that kind of made a lot of people no, oh, that's not good for the makeup. No, all the costumes—they will just melt. That's about it, really. It was a—we, I mean, we were there from nine o'clock because we did priority entry, and we left at half five, so it was pretty intense. I think I walked something ridiculous, like seventeen thousand steps, just going round and round the XL. And then I felt bad because people were tweeting me asking where you were. Saving lives. Well.
1: Teaching people how to save lives.
0: Yes. Important work. Now that my voice is literally about to go, I think we have to wrap for the week. Well done. a good place to to wrap it up. Yes. Well done, old chum, on uh, rattling through that, because that's quite a long list on the old whiteboard. Oh, Jiminy Jellickers, that was hard work. Yes, it was. Uh, But that brings us nicely up to date on things like Titans. So, uh, you know, in theory, we could try and catch up on the nine episodes of DC TV that have been on already. Like, three Arrows, th- four Flash, four Supergirl, four Batwoman. Are
1: we four behind? Oh, no, we've we've watched them.
0: We've watched all of them. No, don't worry.
1: I was going to say, it got to be a right crisis.
0: <laughs> it would. No. Well, uh, i I quite like us to talk about Batwoman just because it's new. I don't think it's worth talking about Supergirl because it's dire. Um, oh, it's... Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Flash I'm enjoying and Arrow I'm enjoying, but that's a discussion for another podcast. For now, me and my sore throat... Uh, and you and my tired eyes, your tired eyes, uh, are saying goodbye and goodnight and farewell until next time, super friends.
1: Same bat channel, same bat place.
0: It would be same bat time, same bat channel. Oh God, that over there. <laughs> Bye. Bye.